let me read my text and my subject because my my heart is so full of of gratitude uh, that I could be here at this time in Chicago on this day as it relates to mission and domestic involvement and that this church is committed to that. I'm so full of gratitude. If I start talking about that, I will mess up my text. And so let me read my text and put all that gratitude together within the the text I'm going to read. And it's uh, um, Titus chapter 2, which is a real uh, incarnation. It is the discipleship. Uh, It is the understanding of uh, the outworking of this redemptive message. It is the um, living out of the in-living Christ. This is the clearest statement of the outcome and intention of the gospel on the pages of Scripture here, this particular uh, passage here. And then my theme, my subject, is living justly through discipleship and outreach uh, into the world. So listen to this uh, passage here. Last words, you might say, of the, uh, uh, of the Apostle Paul, the, the theologian and the original church planner, uh, cross-culturally to the world. And, and we are in that day now that we go global following Jesus or we live in a world of conflict. We've got to welcome diversity and different. He told us to go into all the world and disciple the nation and and discipleship that leads to leadership so the church would be a living thing, entity within the world sharing this wonderful salvation. Listen to what he says here. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation has appeared to all mankind, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live sober, righteous, justly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearance of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a special, peculiar people who are zealous, excited, grateful to do this good work. These things, he say, exalt, rebuke with all authority. Let no one despise thee. This is the very most important text to engage his incarnated body, the hands of Christ. The church is the extension of the 
incarnated God in Jesus Christ on earth. It is the, is the continual living of Emmanuel, God living in us at the local fellowship level, and then loving our neighbors as we love ourselves. And this, and this calls for ongoing into the world, discipling uh, the nation. And it's a critical hour in America. God has blessed this nation uh, more than any other nation on earth. Despite our failures and different, because we, this nation made the greatest statement of human dignity in the history of the world. In its founding days, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all human beings is created equal and is endowed by their creator with certain rights, chief among those are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, that we was going to make a new experience in brotherhood in this nation. We wasn't going to call ourselves by our nationality. We were going to be the United States of America. We were going to be coming from all nations under God with liberty and justice for all. And you know we backed up on that. We killed the Native Americans. You brought in the black slave in the light of all of that. But God has still blessed this nation. I think it's urgent. Urgent. Billy Graham said if if he don't bring judgment to America, if we continue, that he's going to have to repent for what he did to Sodom and Gomorrah. But we are at a privileged time. That's why I'm here and so thrilled. Uh, this church here now in this place is unique position to do what many others didn't do. It was, it was born after the Civil Rights Movement. It, 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 was, it was born after that. It was born when we was enfranchised in 1964 and 65. One person, one vote made black folks citizens for the first time in this nation. This church is, and that my, this, these people involved here in this domestic ministry, you can do this. This is a wonderful community here, a wonderful opportunity to make an experiment in solving a problem and being that one nation under God, sharing the opportunity for all. And not only that, but even the poor is now coming here, giving all of us and you an expression to live it out, but you're already in the field seeking them out. What an opportunity. What a gratitude. You folks ought to be glad that you have an opportunity, that there have been a history to make this day possible that we can be involved in society. And so I'm just absolutely grateful to be here. I'm a little bit like when they brought Jesus in and the old prophet Anna was there. And he said that he 
could go now and die in peace because he, was, he could see the salvation of the Lord. But he was thinking about what's going to happen 33 years later because Jesus Christ is going to die on that cross and provide the redemptive blood and opportunity for all people to be saved. He's going to have the good news that we can now share to the world that the redemptive work is finished. Now he need a people on the field, missionaries, carrying this gospel. So, well, you're doing that. And I'm here this morning to encourage you and to challenge you. Hope to give you a new sense of urgency because our nation leaders are lost. We can elect them and they can, we can give them enough money to buy the vote, but they can't do nothing for nobody else but raise this money. And there is a need, there is a need for us to share a gospel. It's a need for us to pioneer away. It's a need for us to be Jesus' followers. And they can look at us and they can have hope, hope, hope that we can do something in this society. What an opportunity we have at this moment to give it a try. That's what he told us. To be a witness. To show them there's a little working force. There are some people... All of us haven't apostated. There are some of us who are listening to him. What a joy. I know the difference between patriotism and building the kingdom of God. I know the difference. And sometimes we get confused on that. We preach patriotism instead of preaching the kingdom. I understand that. But I don't think there's a more opportune time to be patriotic than this moment now. Our folks are so lost. I, I really believe that uh, winning people and the disciples of Jesus Christ is the best thing that we can do for our nation. The blindness. Because, say, we're not solving the problem. Our system that we've set up to solve the problem, like the prison system, is now making more prison. Uh, Fifty go in. A hundred go in. And 65% go back. Our system to solve the problem is now producing more of the problem in our society. There's a need for a way. And I think we got it. I think we got it. For the first time, we have CCDA. We have people like Wayne Gordon and myself, uh, pioneering, making models that it can, that it can work. Uh, we don't have to back away as whites from being involved. We don't have to back away as blacks for being involved. And we got an institution, the CCDA, made up out of denominations who believe in Jesus Christ. They're there that we can learn the best practice for, for what we've experimented with it for these last 50 years. So we are ready. An opportune, and it's absolute urgent. And I'm really just saying to you people, uh, what y'all need to do is keep on keeping on with what you're doing with a greater sense of urgency, with a greater sense of the now, because all leadership must take advantage of the hour in which they are living. Uh, that's an eternal statement in the Bible. The people, God's people, understood the time in which they live, and they knew what to do. That's business. That's any progressive idea that the leadership understand what's going on in their hour, and they bring the solution to the people in that 
hour, and it changes the course of history. Well, let's go back to my text here. Explain it. It says, for the grace of God that brings salvation. Those are the two biggest words in Scripture outside of God himself. But this grace of God is magnifies the greatness of this God. The grace of God, as it's used here, is, is bringing all of God's redemptive attributes, all of those redemptive words together like salvation, forgiveness of sin, uh, uh, justification, sanctification. It's bringing them all together to redeem us and to make this people we are talking about here, for the grace of God that brings salvation, have appeared to all men. So it's just, we call it amazing. That's why the May John Newton uh, couldn't find words for this grace. And so he called it amazing grace. That slave owner, that uh, slave trader, uh, heard about this redemptive love. And he could say, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was blind, but now I'm lost, but now I'm found. Was blind by, but now I see. How precious did that grace appear the moment I first believed. That's why Paul could say, for by grace are you saved through faith. And that faith and grace is not of yourself. It is the gift of God. It's not of our own works, and should anyone should boast. And it brings us salvation. This salvation now is that you have totally been redeemed, that you have been forgiven for the Adam's sin. You have been called out of Egypt, bodiless soul and spirit. You have been forgiven for the past. He also has shed his blood so that we can be forgiven in the future right now of my sin. You can't hold me hostage to what I've done before because there is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's vein. And, and sinners like John Turkin and me and you can go beneath that flood each day, lose all our guilt and stains. That's what John 1, 9 means. If we confess our sin, he's faithful and he's just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We don't have to live with our guilt. Washes all my sin away. So my present has been taken care of. My future, he's been there now for 2,000 years preparing a place for us so we can all join together with that great host throughout all eternity. My destiny has already been determined. He has worked that out in his salvation. I ought to be a little courageous. My past is taken care of. My future is now in my, my present. But my future has been taken care of. I should be courageous. I should be asking myself in gratitude to that grace, what can I do? What can I do, Lord, for all of your benefits towards me? And I think you say that you want, me to, want us to go out there and carol this good news. Go tell it on a mountain, over the hills and everywhere. Go tell it on the mountain that Jesus Christ is alive and living 
and want to be Emmanuel and wants to be Emmanuel, the God with us here on earth. What a, what a joke. But it brings this, this salvation. And then it says here, to, and it will live this just life. Let me close with this. Looking for that blessed hope. Looking for that blessed hope. That was the Old Testament idea that he would come. He came. Last thing he said uh, after he had said his finish on the cross, he gathered those people together and he's speaking to send us them out to the world. You remember that scene as he went up. He sent some angels back as they gazed into the heaven. Say, you men of Galilee and women of Galilee, why stand you gazing up into the heaven? This same Jesus that is taken up from you is going to come in like manner as you have seen him go up. And, but, but they was there amazed that he was departing because they had enjoyed being with him and felt the sense of that redemption, and they would live with that expectation that he was coming back again. Sometimes I like to, I like to read as, in a, as, as pleasure, entertainment, uh, these people, these are futurologists, these are prophecies when Jesus is coming, and, and they're trying to know what they can't know. I think that's why we love novels, you know. But that is really, in reality, the waste of time. We just should be awake and being ready. And I think he did that and also give us a sense of urgency. Sense of urgency. And the parables he gave, they was gave, we don't know when he's coming again. That should get us ready. And we should think of the now, of the urgency of our life. What a privilege it is to be here. Let me read from, by the way, most of my books are for sale in the bookstore. But let me, <laughs> let, let me close. But this is a joy. This is a joy. I thank God for um, Dr. DeCrowder, who had the faith and long you guys formed this church in the early 60s. Good time. Good time. A new pyramid, a, a, a new paradigm shift needed to be. You could begin to put some of the old behind and create some new reality. And he was here all the years. What a noble old guy. He had me here teaching before. And, of course, then uh, having your present pastor, Dan, to come along and take over and being able to increase this outreach. Because usually it takes four or five interim before when an old man like that has been so faithful. You know, y'all went through But she was able to not lose any beats and come. What a joy. What an opportunity. What a readiness. What a readiness to carry this good news of the gospel. Let me close with the way uh, I close the quiet revolution here. Listen to what it says. The world is growing tired. And the world is becoming frustrated. But we can have hope. The world will withdraw but we must strike. We are God's guerrilla fighters. His spiritual sabotage. We must now go to battle in our community. 
armed with evangelism, social responsibility, economic development, and a burning desire for justice through which Jesus Christ can carry on his Christ redemptive revolution in the world. Keep on doing what you are doing. May God bless you and may God keep you. May his face shine upon you and may he give you his peace.